Welcome to another episode of State Style presented by Bank First. Bank First has 29 locations in Mississippi and Alabama. Community focus for commercial and personal lending and even have the best mortgage department around. It's a growing bank with outstanding customer service. You can visit Bank First online at bankfirstfs.com. Brock Turnipseed here with Robbie Falk. And, Robbie, we've got some uh, basketball to talk. The Mississippi State women's team in action last night. The men's team with the tough double overtime setback in Atlanta against Dayton. You start with the women's team, Robbie. Uh, a big 103-76 win. Nice bounce back from having that nine-day layoff. And the big highlight of the game was probably the 18 three-pointers, a school record, one off an SEC record, I believe. Uh, you were there last night. What were your initial thoughts of the ball game? First of all was the three-point shooting, like you said. I mean, what we, we've seen this team kind of struggle from beyond the arc the last couple of years, and it was a strange transition those few years from the teams with Rashonda Johnson and Blair Schaefer and Victoria Vivians and um, what they did, I think, in 20, 2018 to what they did when it was just Tierra McCowan and Andrea Howard in the post. And even last year, they were focused on getting the ball in the paint or shooting it from 15 feet away. Last night showed that this team is fully capable of hitting three-pointers from the one to the four. We've seen everybody come out there and hit a three early on in this season, and that's including Aliyah Matharu coming off the bench and Katerian Thompson as well. But, you know, we were talking a little bit about this before the show went on to be candid about what this does for other teams preparing for Mississippi State right now. When you have four players on the floor that can shoot the three like that, it really creates some opportunities for your offense to expand. And that's beyond just shooting three-pointers. That's getting Jessica Carter more involved in the post. Sydney Cooks had her best career game, 6 of 11 from three-point range, 26 points. Rakia Jackson, 6 of 10 for 30 points. You're not going to lose very many games when you're doing that. When you have 56 points from those two players, 12 three-pointers, and then you add in Aliyah Matharu, who had four three-pointers and 16 points herself, State was just stroking it from three-point range. For the most part, uh, I saw a lot of people that were upset about last night's game. And I know you're going to get that in message boards and Twitter world, but State won a ball game against a team that averages 94 points per game. Uh, They held them to 76. I know it's Troy, but this is a team that came to Starville last year and put up a lot of points. 103 to 76 was the final, and a lot of people were upset. Why were they upset? Well, you saw those same problems that you had against South Florida. You didn't shoot the free throws well. You didn't rebound well. You didn't play great on the defensive end. You weren't in position a lot of times. And listen, a lot of that is due to what Troy does on that end of the floor. This is an offense created to score a lot of points and have your defense off balance. I want to read off some stats to you, though, Brock, because I kept hearing over and over last night about how this wouldn't have happened under Vic Schaefer and the, the defense wasn't playing as, as well as it would have under Vic Schaefer. They weren't aggressive enough. They weren't gritty enough on the defensive end. They were soft. So I want to read some stats to you. 51 rebounds from Troy, 22 offensive rebounds, 24 offensive, 27 offensive rebounds. I'm sorry, I'm looking at this uh, stat wrong. So uh, 51 rebounds, 27 offensive rebounds. That wasn't from Nikki McRae-Penson's team. That was from Vic Schaefer's team. They gave up 27 offensive rebounds to this team last season, and 51 total rebounds. Last night, 51 rebounds given up by the Bulldogs, 20 on the offensive end. So what that tells me is not that this team is incapable of getting in there and getting the rebounds. It tells me that 
a lot of that is predicated a little bit on what Troy does too and what they do offensively. I thought you have to take into account that State was throwing up a lot of three-pointers last night, 37 three-pointers last night. They went 18 to 37. So the shots were either going in or they were long rebounds that there weren't very many opportunities to get. So I think you do have to take that into account. And I think you have to take into account what Troy does offensively and keeping the defenses off balance. I don't think State was in, in good position, and that needs to improve. But I don't think that that tells the full story about what Nikki mccray Pinson is wanting to do. No, I totally agree with that. And, Robbie, here my take from the game was I thought Mississippi State did a really good job of taking what Troy gave them. Troy decided to sit back in that zone. They challenged the arc. And Mississippi State's like, okay, you're going to give us the three-pointers. We're going to show you that we can make them. And I think that probably comes from previous years when you look at Mississippi State when against the zone, that outside game somewhat struggled. And this team is a little bit different. This team can shoot the three. To me, it's a big plus when you see a Rakia Jackson going 6-for-10 from the arc because as a dual-threat player, you're not going to be able to sit back on her. You know, she only took 31 threes last year. So if she's already got 10 threes this year and she's, you know, was 6 of 10 last night, she's already taken 22 three-pointers this season. So she's only nine back of what she took all of last year as a freshman. That's going to draw the defenses out on her knowing that she can make it at a higher clip this year. So that's going to open up the room for you. And as you mentioned, when you're sitting back in that zone, it's really hard to go and get the offensive rebounds when everybody's sagging back off of you. Uh, you know, when you when you have the defenders out on you, it's a lot easier to get to the glass. And, you know, where Mississippi State in the past has traditionally won the rebounding battle has been on the offensive glass. It's been you've, you've had the big bodies underneath that can get the offensive rebounds and put them back quickly. Well, when you're taking the longer shots, uh, and this is something that Vic Schaefer always preached to his teams, was long shots equal long rebounds. But I thought Mississippi State really did a nice job of giving what they take. And, and having seen Troy probably three or four times since I've worked with women's basketball, when you look at Troy, they are a fast-paced team that's going to come out, and they don't milk much shot clock. They get out and they shoot. They like to shoot a lot of threes. As you mentioned, they're averaging 90 points a game. And, you know, give credit to Mississippi State. Last night, they held Troy to 21% from the three-point line, which is where Troy likes to thrive. Absolutely. And to your point on on this offense and kind of taking what – they're given that's basically what I've seen through the first four games people have have tried to put some kind of identity on this offense you know whether it be shooting a bunch of three-pointers or whatever but this offense is going to be predicated on whatever defense they're playing against two games ago against New Orleans they had 72 points in the paint Nikki McCray Pinson said before that ball game that they were going to attack the post. They were going to utilize their size, and that's exactly what they did. They did not shoot a lot of three-pointers. They went inside to Jessica Carter. The guards drove to the rim, and they scored inside at will. Last night, they came out on the first possession. They saw the defense a sagging 2-3 zone where everybody was just kind of standing in place at the free throw line, and they basically just said, okay, we're just going to sit here and shoot threes all night. And that might not have been exciting for people. I don't know why it wouldn't have been if you're hitting 18 to 37 from three-point range. But if that's what the defense is going to give you and you're capable of doing that, why would you not do it? Uh, you know, some people would mention, why are we not attacking the post? Why are we not hitting the mid-range jumper? Well, 
because that's not what the defense is giving them. In the past, we've seen teams try to force the ball inside against a 2-3 zone, a player catch the ball in the post and immediately get trapped by two or three people, turn the ball over, take a bad shot. If a defense is going to allow you those opportunities and you have four players on the floor capable of doing it, then do it. Do whatever the defense is, is giving you. And that's what I like about what Coach McRae Pinson is doing. She's not saying that her team's going to do one thing. And, and defenses are going to have a tough time game planning for Mississippi State when this is happening because you don't know what they're going to do. If they can come out and hit 18 three-pointers in one night and come out and score 50-plus points in the paint the next, that's a pretty well-balanced and, and dangerous offense. And you have players, too, in this offense that can penetrate the defense, kick out and find an open player like some of those teams that we've seen in the past. You know, how many times did we see somebody drive inside or, or get the ball inside of Tier McCowan and kick the ball out to Rashonda Johnson or Blair Schaefer? It was just such a dangerous offense to defend. Now, this defense is going to work a little differently. It's not going to work inside out like it did with McCowan. They're going to work a little more outside in. But it, I, I thought that there was a lot to be excited about about this offense. Now, there's so many things to fix. Three for ten from the free throw line, they've got to get better. And that is an area where it is 100% on repetition and practice and things like that. That's something that you can fix yourself. That's just staying in the gym and shooting 100 free throws, 500 free throws a, a day. You can easily fix shooting free throws. And I, th- I think that's something that they're really going to focus on moving forward. You talk about the free throws, and I totally agree with you that, you know, that's something that repetition fixes. You know, and it's also the way I always approach free throws, too, is, you know, people think it is such an easy shot because nobody's guarding you. But in all honesty, it may be one of the harder shots in basketball. That and a wide-open layup sometimes because they're the easier ones to miss. I, I liken it to a pitcher in baseball. One of the hardest throws for a pitcher to make in baseball is the throw from the pitcher's mound to first base. You know, I remember back many, many years ago, I was at the Women's College World Series, and UCLA had a pitcher named Angelica Selden, was one of the best pitchers in America. But if you hit the ball back to her, throwing it to first base, you almost could bank that there might be an error. And it's just because it's something that gets in your mind, and you think it's so easy, but it becomes hard. And I think that's something that that Mississippi State, you're right, that's something they're going to correct. You know, we've seen teams struggle at the free throw line, and it's just a matter of getting in the gym. You know, it's a matter of of getting up shots. And, you know, that is probably, if you look at something that's the most telling thing, that is probably it right now. Because if you just make a few more free throws, right now you're undefeated right now. You beat South Florida. You know, those are the easy things that you can fix. Absolutely, and that's what's kind of frustrating about all that right now is the free throws and the turnovers that they had in that game, and you lose the game 67-63 to in overtime. The game was there for the taking, and that's what we mentioned, though, last week. We saw that with this team last year, too, against some teams, Alabama and West Virginia. The game was right there for the taking, and it was simple things that they did that killed themselves in those ball games. State just has to correct those mistakes. They have to correct things because this is, by and large, one of not the most talented teams they've ever had. From top to bottom, player to player, this is one of the most talented teams they've ever had in women's basketball. We know that they're fully capable of being a team that can make a run in the SEC and make a run in the NCAA tournament. It's just putting all those things together, doing the little things, you know, taking care of the basketball has been pretty good, especially from players like Maya Taylor, who I think has been exceptional and doesn't get enough 
love for what she's done so far because she's been so quiet because you don't really notice her. She's not scoring a ton of points. She's not shooting a lot of shots, but she does the little things right, and that's what you want out of your point guard. Now, she's not going to carry the ball down the floor every single possession like she would have in the past, but i got to think Vic Schaefer's looking at this season so far by Maya Taylor and has a big grin on his face because that's kind of his – area that you know he he wanted his point guard to to protect the basketball and that's what she's doing but she has a chance to really expand her role in this game under Nikki McCray Pinson and I wanted to go to a clip from from Nikki uh, on Monday night and what she said about Maya Taylor and how she's kind of approached the game so far and handled business I think Maya is the consummate leader. Um, she's leading by example. She's leading off the floor because she has relationships with the. She takes. She's taking pride in. I get on her a lot when she's turning the ball over. But uh, she's a student of the game, and she wants her teammates to do well. She's got to take her shots when she's open. I think now people have to guard her because she's not afraid to shoot the ball. You know, but when she sees other people getting getting off, she's going to get them the ball. And I thought she did a good job of that. No one hit her ball, so there was no rotation that was messed up in delivering the strikes to her shooters. So just very fortunate and blessed to have a player like that that plays hard every single possession and really, really care about our culture, about our teammates, and just everything that we're doing. Um, she wants to win, and it's, uh, it's very evident. You talk about Maya Taylor, and I think, you know, Nikki McCray Pinson, you mentioned, she's very high on her. And she's kind of given her more of that green light a little bit to score as well, especially shooting from the outside, something that Maya really didn't look to do last year. But what she leads the country in assist turnover ratio, a 22 assist to turnover ratio, 22 assists and one turnover. You look at second place in the conference alone, is it 6.5? But here's the bigger thing to me. Not only do you have Meyer Taylor who's taking care of the basketball and distributing it as well, Jemiah Mingo Young's eighth in the conference with a 2.9 assist turnover ratio, 20 assists to seven turnovers. So that's two good options at the point guard position who are doing a nice job of taking care of the basketball. No doubt. And also defensively on that end of the floor, they've been really good. Now, Mingo Young did not have a good game against South Florida offensively. And Monday night – she was three of six, seven points. She did have seven rebounds and nine assists and just two turnovers. So I, I just think having her on the floor is beneficial for this team on both ends because she's got that grit on the defensive end, and you, you need that. And like you said, she's a good distributor and takes care of the basketball. That's why she's getting a lot a lot of minutes so far, 26 minutes on Monday night, which was second most on the team outside of Rakia Jackson. So – I think guard play has been really good, but they've got to get better on their defensive rotations. they got to get better at rebounding the basketball, and they got to get better from the free throw line. But I think that there's – we saw enough on Monday night, and we've seen enough in the first four games to know that this team is capable of being a top-of-the-league contender. It's just putting it all together. And I think when January rolls around and, and they hopefully get players like – or a player like Zaria Wiggins back in there, who is a very good defender – and can also bring you a little something offensively, I think that's only going to make this team that much better. I, th- I think by by January, this team's going to start coming into its own. They, they had their struggles in non-conference last year, too. So I think they're going to be able to get through it and, and be a contender again this year. Well, Robbie, they uh, 
have a chance to keep getting better. And you've got two more non-conference games to, to get better. You, you know, host Southern University on, on Friday at 7 o'clock in the hump and then come back before the Christmas break. Your final game is against Central Arkansas at home in a 3 p.m. game before you open up league play uh, at Georgia, who's going to be a veteran team and a place where Mississippi State traditionally has not played well. So that's going to be something that Mississippi State's going to really have to, to buckle down and, and get ready for that game that's traditionally been a tough ball game for them. Yeah, these next two games are, are big, and they're two games the state should win handily. So this, these are two games that state has need to, needs to come out and show that they're making progress on those spots where McCray Pinson wants them to progress. I'm really excited about the Central Arkansas game because uh, we're going to get a chance to see another start. Will Yellow Jacket come in here and, and Jalisa Outlaw? Earlier this year, they played. Jackson State and Jaria Covington was a former Starkville Yellow Jacket that, that came here as well as a Choctaw County girl on the Genesis Johnson. So I always enjoy seeing those players that I covered in high school get a chance to come to the hump and play against Mississippi State. Last year, a Starkville player, Kelsey Jones, Kobe Jones' sister, came from Southern Miss and got to play. So that's going to be cool to see that. I just think that Mississippi State just needs to show progress in those rebounding areas and also defensively before you get into league play because, like you said, you just don't know. I mean, you just do not know right now these games. that You know, some of these SEC teams are playing nobodies. You know, some of them are going to get better whenever uh, the new year rolls around. So it, you know that those games are going to be tougher than what they played so far. So they've got to show some progress and get better before they play Georgia on December 31st. Well, the good thing about if you look at the women's team, you know, their one loss was really a self-inflicted loss. And that's kind of been the case on the men's basketball side as well. When you look at Ben Howland's team, you know, 3-3 three and three on, on the season after that double overtime loss to Dayton in Atlanta as part of the holiday hoops giving. But two of their losses have been self-inflicted as well. And it was kind of the same scenario as the season opener against Clemson that came back to, to bite Mississippi State on uh, Saturday was the free throw line. When you're 9 of 22, 40% at the line, and you'll lose by three in double overtime, it goes to show you there was another opportunity to win that basketball game. I mentioned after the first overtime, I think, or maybe after regulation, if they would have been 10 of 22, they would have won the ball game. 10 of 22 before, you know, the second overtime. They just needed to be – they just needed to miss 12 free throws. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of where things are right now with this team. They're, they're close in a lot of areas, and I actually think they took a step forward in this game. I know a lot of people were frustrated – by this game, but this is a Dayton team, and I know it's not the same, but it's a Dayton team that was one of the best teams in the country a year ago. You know they're going to be well coached by Anthony Grant. You know they're going to have some good players, and they did. Three and one on the on the season at this point. I think you can take a lot of positives from this ball game. DJ Stewart went off 32 points. He showed that he can be an alpha dog out there offensively, go out there and just take over a ball game, and I thought he did an excellent job. 32 points in 47 minutes. Iverson Molinar had the the game-tying drive to the hoop, which I thought should have been a three-point play opportunity. I I really thought he took a body on that play, and he should have probably got a chance to free throw, which shot 9 of 22 from the free throw line, so you probably don't put that one in the bag. Tolu Smith was in foul trouble for most of that ball game. I thought that was a big problem for State. They weren't able to get him fully involved. 13 points and seven rebounds in 32 minutes. Not having him in the game for some of the first half and the second half really disrupted what they wanted to do rhythm-wise because he's a player that has been 
the most consistent guy on the team so far outside of DJ Stewart. 12 points plus per game. Uh, he's had a couple of double-doubles. Taking him out of the post where they have not been great outside of him offensively was a, a big issue. And, uh, you know, I, I thought that was a big problem for them. But the underlying was, was obviously the free throw line. 9 of 22, you just cannot do that and expect to win. Looking at that ball game, two things really stuck out to me. Iverson Molnar had 20 points, and he was 0 for 5 from the three-point line. So you think the way he has been shooting the three-pointers so far this season has been really good. That and, and kind of you see the potential in D.J. Stewart Jr. You thought he was going to be that go-to guy. In that ball game, he was that go-to guy with the 32 points. You know, and I thought Tolu Smith really did a nice job in the second half. Of, of rebounding after the foul, you know, and not letting that completely take him out of the game. And, you know, Mississippi State did a really, I thought, a good job against a pretty good veteran Dayton team. You, you think about that team, of course, you lose a player like Obi Toppin. But that team is a veteran team with upperclassmen and their transfers from other programs. And I thought Mississippi State did a nice job in the first half of building that lead. You know, look at the second half. The three-point line may have been a little bit of a difference as uh, Dayton was 6 of 13 over the final 30 minutes of the ballgame. And, you know, I think the biggest frustrating factor for fans is this team is young and I think a lot of fans were not expecting a lot from this team. But this team has really shown that they have the tools to be successful. They just keep biting themselves in the foot. Yeah, I I think the talent level is fine. I I think what, like you said, what frustrates people is, you know, first of all, the fact that that a lot of these wounds are self-inflicted. But some people believe that they shouldn't be in this shape in the first place. But it happens in college basketball. That's another thing we were talking about before the show started, there's just so much turnover in college basketball every single year. You look at Kentucky, they have a new team virtually every single season. And State had virtually a veteran team in terms of they had some players that had played for two years or more uh, last season with you know Woodard and Carter and, and Reggie Perry and those guys. But you got basically all new faces out there this year outside of Iverson, Molinar, and Abdullah Du. It's going to take time for these guys to mesh. And I, I know people don't want to see teams go through these growing pains, but a game like Saturday and how things went and how they continue to fight, I think you can take a lot of positives from that game. You know, it, it stinks, obviously, as a fan to, to see them come out on the uh, other end of that, but forcing overtime when it looks like the game was over and, you know, staying in the ball game the way that they did, I think is, is, is a really good thing moving forward. And I thought Ben Howland made some good adjustments as the game went on. They, they'd struggled at the, at the start of the second half to maintain the lead that they had. And they just go through these, these stretches of droughts offensively. And that's going to happen with a young team and a, and a team that's struggling as they are at the three-point line. But I thought that they played hard. I thought they can take a lot from it. But it's just going to take some time with these guys. A lot of new faces and a lot of guys in different roles than they were last year. You're right. It's a young, young basketball team that has the tools and the potential. You kind of see a, a, a three-person scoring option with Stewart, Molinar, and Tolu Smith. You know, you would like to think maybe if you can get JV and Davis up to around double figures a ball game. Uh, you know, if you can get Abdullah Dew to, to give you a few more points, 
that's going to make a night and day difference in this team. You'll get Jalen Johnson, who came in averaging 15 points a game last year at, at Louisiana, and he gave you six minutes and didn't attempt a shot. So you think there's some growth potential there. And it's just a matter of it's really what a lot of teams are going through right now of rebuilding rosters because of the transfer portal, because of early departures. And, and Robbie, I think that may be something good we look at next week is let's look at Mississippi State's rosters throughout the years under Ben Howland and see how they have changed and evolved and some of the losses that you look at. You know, you look at how maybe a Nick Weatherspoon affects this team. You look at how Lamar Peters might have affected last year's team. Uh, that may be something good we look at next next week because we want to touch on, on a little football. And Robbie, uh, of course, a tough loss at Davis Wade Stadium last week to Auburn. And really, it was kind of uh, the struggles offensively, what I think a lot of fans have seen throughout the season with Mississippi State. Yeah, it's, it's kind of plaguing them in a couple of different sports, isn't it? I mean – there's just it goes they they both work hand in hand. I mean, when you have that much youth on a team and that much inexperience, you're going to have your growing pains. And with a football team, you're talking about having your top two running backs, your top two receivers, which one of them is a running back, your quarterback, and your left tackle are all freshmen playing their first games in the SEC. And at this point, they've played nine games, so you know. A lot of people would argue that they're they're no longer freshmen at this point. They've kind of they're trying to transitioning now, and they're kind of starting to move into their sophomore year. But it still is their first year on campus. Will Rogers has only started what four or five games at this point. So there's a lot of youth on this team, just as it is on the on the men's team. Even the guys that aren't youthful on the on the men's team, this is their first year in this program and playing in the SEC. So. Fans just have to be patient with the progress of some of these teams. I mean, it's not what they want to hear, but there's going to be growing pains with these teams, and uh, we'll see how it plays out as they get older. Well, of course, Robbie, and, you know, I thought Bart and Charlie on on their out of left field on their Sunday coffee had some very good points about, you know, the way this this team and and really the the lack of depth really has hurt this team, especially you see a lot of the things that happen late in the ballgame. But uh, Mississippi State's going to try to address some of those depth issues. You can't do anything this year, but you can start setting the the pace toward the future. And, of course, uh, you're probably listening to this on on Wednesday, and that's signing day. And – Robbie, of two signing days, what's the big plan for Mississippi State? What can fans look forward to as we head into uh, signing day? Well, it's, it's never over until they sign the dotted line, and we're recording this on Tuesday, so I may eat my shorts on this, but I really like this class now it's come together. Uh, what, what was said about Mike Leach when he first was hired at Mississippi State? Well, he's, he's a good coach, but he can't recruit. He's not going to be able to recruit the SEC. And, you know, you look at this class, and it's right now it's ranked outside the top 25, so I don't want him to beat his chest or anybody to beat their chest about this class that much, but it's a really good class when you think about the fact that they haven't had a chance to have anybody on campus. They have basically nine games under their belt to try to sell to these kids, and I think they've won some really good battles as of right now, just, you know, what we know of what they have on paper right now, but... Ranked 32nd in the country, and I think it's going to move up on signing day if they add who we think they're going to add. And it's a good time to remind you to go check out 247sports.com and come check us out. we got a 60% off deal. Perfect time to come check us out and, and see what we got going over there. Paul Jones and Steve Robertson do a great job keeping everybody updated. 
I just kind of scan the boards and I follow what those guys say most of the time. I've seen some of these guys in person, but they're adding some great offensive pieces. I think they're adding some good, really good defensive pieces as well. The highest-rated quarterback commitment ever signed to Mississippi State's coming in, Sawyer Robertson from Texas, who I think was right away the guy that Mike Leach had looked at. This is the guy I want to sign. He got him back during the uh, the spring, and he is just lighting up the state of Texas right now in Lubbock. That offense is Mike Leach's offense. The coach at that school took exactly what Mike Leach was doing at Texas Tech and implemented it in his offense. Everything they do in their program is marked by Mike Leach. So he's coming to Mississippi State with all of that already in his brain. He's going to enter this program knowing the exact scheme, knowing the plays and everything. So you couldn't have got a better kid to run this offense than Sawyer Robertson, and they've had him locked up. He's going to have some great receivers coming in with him with Teddy Knox and Malik Neighbors, both guys with Louisiana ties. Teddy Knox has been in Texas recently. Those guys are, are going to be huge pieces for this team. Also, Jacoby Moore in Harrison Central, he had a huge year. I think he's extremely underrated at wide receiver. And how about this? Something we did not see the past staff, not not Jim Moorhead, but Dan Mullen's staff do, when they were going into head-to-head battles with Ole Miss down the stretch. How many times did we see a kid do the hat ceremony on signing day or something right before signing day, flip to Ole Miss or play games with Mississippi State, and there was virtually no player in place when those players did that? State's going out this class, and they've gotten comparable talent to these kids that, they're, that they either lost to Ole Miss or felt like they were going to lose to Ole Miss. One of them was Brandon Buckhalter, who was rumored to be flipping to Ole Miss on signing day. Mississippi State basically cut the ties there and went ahead and, and got a South Carolina decommit in Rodarius Thomas. So you go out and go get a kid that's been committed to an SEC school to replace Brandon Buckhalter. I thought that was, was really big. And now you got McKylan Pounders from Bahelia who was kind of flirting with Ole Miss a little bit. Well, Mississippi State said, we'll just go in a different direction. That's what they did. And it looks like they're going to land uh, Virginia Tech commitment Cannon Boone, who is one of their top offensive linemen in the class that they were recruiting back during the summer when he committed to Virginia Tech. So, I mean, you lose both of those guys and you replace them with comparable or even better talent. I think that is a tremendous job by the staff having guys in place. And they're doing that also with targets that they have down the road that could be coming in February. I think, to me, that is the most impressive thing by the staff. They have all their ducks in a row and – they're making sure that they have all their bases covered. Well, Robbie, it's going to be a, a busy week for you as we've got signing day on Wednesday. Men's basketball host uh, Central Arkansas on Wednesday. Reminder that our women's team is in action on Friday against Southern University. And then they are returned to action at home, wrapping up the non-conference slate against Central Arkansas on Sunday. Men's basketball wraps up its non-conference slate on Monday against Mississippi Valley State. But, Robbie, I want to end this podcast by saying thank you to everyone who's listened. The response has been great. We encourage everyone to go out and subscribe. You can find this podcast everywhere you can find podcasts. And we encourage you to leave us a five-star review. And also just leave us a review, period, and let us know your thoughts and let us know anything you'd like to hear us cover. Uh, but, Robbie, it's been another great episode. And I was just looking at the ratings. We actually have a three-star rating, which is okay. Because Dak Prescott was a three-star. I think Benardrick McKinney was a three-star. Elton Jenkins. There's been some great Mississippi State players that have come up and been three-stars. So I'm perfectly okay with that. But I would prefer a five-star. 
Uh, we've seen some good five stars come through Mississippi State as well. And we are the type of three stars that we're going to work hard to develop through the program. So, But anyway, thanks for listening to another edition of State Style presented by Bank First. Bank First has 29 locations in Mississippi and Alabama. They are community focused for commercial and personal lending and even have the best mortgage department around. It's a growing bank with outstanding customer service. Visit them online at bankfirstfs.com. He's Robbie Falk. I'm Brock Turnipseed. See you next week for another edition of State Style presented by Bank First.